welcome to a brand new episode of Sequel Rights, the podcast where we take a look at the franchises that make you go, they made how many of those? And we give each and every sequel a fair trial. My name is Justin Camps, and I'm here with Elizabeth Helley and Tyler Heimanson. And we are back for another holiday episode, as you might have heard from the intro here, <laughs> uh, to talk about the brand new film on HBO Max called A Christmas Story Christmas. It's a sequel rights podcast podcast. It's a sequel rights <laughs> podcast podcast. Sequel. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, we tried really hard to put out in the world that we would, you know, Mamma Mia 3. We wanted a Mamma Mia 3, and it didn't happen, so we're talking about this instead. <laughs> and so, in order to get it done right, we have a very special guest with us today. Uh, Maureen Lee Lenker from Entertainment Weekly is here with us. Maureen, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me back. This is my second holiday episode since I did Bridget Jones. Oh, indeed. Yes. That's right. That's true. <laughs> it's it's perfect perfect timing for the holidays. And, and uh, no disrespect to Bridget Jones. We just all hold a candle for Mamma Mia. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, yes. I feel like Bridget Jones, there's enough Bridget Jones in the world. Not yes. that I would say no to more, but like Mamma Mia, we need it. We need it. We need it. The world is ready. It's time to heal. That's right. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, before we get too far into things, uh, uh, Eliz, where can people reach out to us? Yeah. We need your suggestions for next year's franchises. So mm-hmm. email us at sequel rights at gmail.com or reach out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at sequel rights and rate and review us wherever you're listening. Five stars goes a long way to help other people find the show. That's right. And, uh, yeah, we wanted to have Maureen, you know, all Mamma Mia jokes aside, Maureen is awesome. And we wanted to have her back on the podcast, uh, because we, you know, we saw that she was doing some writing about, uh, Christmas Story Christmas for Entertainment Weekly. Um, and, uh, also we, uh, you, since you were on here last time, you've had some really exciting news, uh, about an upcoming book. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Um, my debut novel is coming out July 11th, Dang. 2023. Um, and it is called It Happened One Fight. <laughs> and it is set in 1930s Hollywood. It's about a leading man and leading lady who absolutely detest each other and find out that they were accidentally married on set. So they have to go to Reno for six weeks to get a divorce. And while they're there, they might decide they don't hate each other so much. (laughs) And um, it's available to pre-order now um, pretty much wherever books are sold. But I would encourage you to shop Indie and pre-order through the Rip Bodice in Culver City, which is doing special signed edition pre-orders. I ordered Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I can get Maureen's <laughs> autograph in a book <laughs> and not on a Christmas <laughs> card. <laughs> uh, Maureen, you're also you also have your own podcast, correct? Uh, Hollywoodography. I do, yes. Me and my co-host Oriana Nudo. We've done two seasons now, and the concept of Hollywoodography is we pick one star from Hollywood history and we watch their entire filmography wow. chronologically. Do about an episode per film. Sometimes if it's a cameo or a really small part, we'll do two in one episode. Um, Our first season was Natalie Wood. Uh, We just wrapped our second season, which was all about Paul Newman. And we'll be announcing our third season star at the end of December. Is it Peter Billingsley? It is not. <laughs> what's the what's the total short season? Yeah. <laughs> what's the total count on Paul Newman? That has to be a lot of films. You know what? Surprisingly, it 
was only like three more than Natalie Wood. Oh, like wow. she did 45 and he did 47, I want to say. And wow. it, it's because, you know, she started when she was like yeah. five. So she has all these films from like five to 15 <laughs> where she maybe doesn't necessarily have a very big part, but she's someone's sure. kid or whatever. Um, and so his season actually took longer because we did a lot of double episodes with, mm, yeah. with hers, but with his, like he starts his career as a man in his yeah. late twenties, early thirties. So like pretty much every single movie, oh, man. give or take a few, he is the main character. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we, we have to give you major props for doing that many episodes on one similar subject. Like we yeah. almost died doing 14 land before times. That's true. Like <laughs> we could, we were like delirious. We had to, we had to take end. a break. We were like, yeah, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> but, but to be fair, I feel like there can be so much range or, and variation in an actor's career versus like sequels. I, I can yes. see why after 14 you you needed some it's time the same movie yeah. every time kind of <laughs> <laughs> well that's exciting um you guys can uh you know find her podcast and the pre-order for the books on her website maureenleelenker.com that I'm excited great. to read the book. I love the I mean, too. the the plot for it. As a Reno native. Yes. yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well, I did a lot of research, so I hope I got the geography and everything right. Mm. I tried. I'm sure you did. Uh, <laughs> There's not it that actually weirdly was in uh inspired by Keanu and Winona, even mm-hmm. though it's set in the 30s, because I am the journalist who did the interview where Winona decided to announce that she thought she and Keanu got married for real on a set. Yeah. Ooh. That would be a good plot. Oh, <laughs> Thanks, Winona. Yeah. Yeah. Did me a solid, girl. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, uh, we appreciate you being here, and I hope everyone that's listening checks out her website and checks uh, out the book and the podcast and everything. Um, Thanks, guys. Yeah, of course. Uh, all right. Well, without further ado... Let's celebrate Christmas with a Christmas story Christmas. Christmas. How many times can we say Christmas? (laughs) Oh, life moves fast. One day you're playing kick the can with kids named Flick and Schwartz. I triple dog dare you! The next thing you know, you're a certified adult. Ralph! Ralph, dear old man. Fragile. He was the best. Promise me we're going to make this a wonderful Christmas. That would make your father so happy. I promise. What had I done? And now it was all up to me? I suggest you start drinking and don't stop till New Year's. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, this is a brand new Christmas story film. We -hmm. talked previously about the original, the sequel, uh, and then the musical. The musical. And so this is kind of like the third in the A Christmas Story. I know there is one called A Summer Story. We didn't watch it because uh, <laughs> it was impossible to find. Um, but so yeah. I mean, Peter Billingsley has also not watched it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. See, the man himself gave yeah. us a pass. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, this just premiered on uh, HBO Max this past week, and mm-hmm. we're talking about it tonight for y'all. Uh, so everyone can have a merry Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> I think that that trailer that you just played is a lot better than what I saw, which was just like that stupid teaser that oh, just yeah. had the like da- <laughs> the old man's voice like echoing, the- and that that made me be like, oh boy, this is gonna be bad. I was I was very much like 
oh man, buckle up. Like I really don't. Yeah. You know, like, cause we were, we, we were burned by the sequels of this, of this franchise. The sequel was not great. No. And the, <laughs> and the musical was all right. All right. Yeah. It was okay. Did you uh, watch the Matthew Broderick version? Yes. yes. Yeah. Ah, okay. I also covered that for us and was on set when they were oh my filming. god oh, oh well dude. there you go you're like the world's <laughs> most foreminent expert on this totally we're only watching the movies you're yeah. like so actually you ask us questions yeah. <laughs> <laughs> matthew broderick's very nice <laughs> oh man um well yeah so this one brings back a lot of the original cast including mm-hmm. peter billingsley as we mentioned um, and it really falls into the kind of like legacy sequel. Yes. Uh, more than uh, Christmas Story 2 uh, was not that really at all. No. So, um, I too was very worried. And also like, you know, based on last week's episode, I was like, are the Grinches going to be back? Are you guys going to just totally hate on this or what? Um, but I got to say, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. Me too. This uh, movie is shockingly good. Yes. Uh, yes. Um, yep. I had to watch it. Uh, while I was recovering from surgery and I was like, okay, like I'm in a fugue state. It'll be fine. <laughs> and, uh, and then it was great. And I cried a couple times. Me too. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. It's really good. It's actually a shame. <laughs> I saw it was a legendary film and it has like the intro made it seem like that it was originally intended perhaps for theatrical. And I think it's a shame that it's not. Um, but uh, hopefully, hopefully a lot more people see it because it's on streaming. Cause I think it's a, one of the better holiday films of the past couple years by far. Well, and as a sequel, yeah, it really great. like does a good job. I mean, yeah. we have seen the whole gamut of mm-hmm. slavishly dedicated to the original mm-hmm. to completely, you know, flipping off the original. And this is like a perfect balance of like taking things honoring things understanding what made the original great adding new things yeah Yeah, it's like a really really great balance yeah Yeah, i felt like it walked such a great line which i know like peter said they worked really hard to do this of giving you the callbacks you wanted and bringing in some of that stuff that you wanted to hear about or see mentioned in a even if it was a small moment but really giving it room to breathe and telling it a new story and and giving the movie a reason to exist beyond just like, hey, look at all these references to a yeah. Christmas yeah. story. <laughs> that, that is honestly what I was really worried it was going to be. Uh, and I'm so glad that like the, the movie feels really rever- reverent to the original, but not to mm-hmm. a fault. Like it doesn't, you know, like we see, uh, you know, hints of the, you know, leg lamp and everything. But I was like worried that it was going to be like that again or there's going to be another leg well, lamp or something. And like- it almost feels like that those references are happening for to bring in younger generations as they're watching it almost yeah. where it's trying to yeah. give context and not like remember this. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't that so funny. I think that the thing that immediately put this movie on the right foot for me is that I think the worst version of this type of sequel is just to make Peter Billingsley, the, like the dad character, just transpose him from the original film and then give all of the uh, fantasy sequences to the kid, make it, you know, mm-hmm. from the kid's perspective again and try to do a fresh new character on it. I love that it, we're still getting Ralphie's dream sequences yes. and they're kind of in the same tone and it, but it brings the thing that the first one does so well and I think why so many people love it is that it it allows for family to be messy. It allows for kind of the the, the rough edges to be shown, and it shows that you know even this kid grew up, 
but he still is a fanciful daydreamer who's mm-hmm. going to beat Frank Herbert in the, the literary awards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he did such a, like, I thought he did such a great job at, like, really portraying that, like, adult who is still really like kind of like that same kid inside yeah. you know like we all are <laughs> exactly which is like <laughs> what? how i feel all the time yeah. too. It's like, well i just thought it was so clever the way it plays with all of the connections to the original too like in making ralphie this dreamer who wants to be a writer we've got that connection to the original movie being based on the work of gene shepherd and it being a bit autobiographical with his own christmas um I love those Western fantasy sequences, but as the original movie was made in the 80s, but set in the 40s, and so you're getting sort of serialized Westerns from the 40s in his fantasies. Now, since it's made now, but set in the 70s, you're getting spaghetti Westerns and like, what was popular at the time. So like, as Ralphie has aged and Westerns have changed, so too have his dream sequences. And, um, and then I think, Honestly, one of my favorite, like, dumb blink and you miss it callbacks is that his daughter literally, like, doesn't shoot her eye out, but she has to wear an eye patch because of an accident. Yeah, Yeah, that was that was pretty great. And then, yeah, that one fantasy sequence towards end when he's in jail. And there's that shot of her like oh. pregnant, and her eye is messed <laughs> up. up. Yeah. <laughs> I love that eye is like looking the other way. Like I thought that was so funny. <laughs> and that's that's a great example of that how this really mo- good. how this movie has things that it is entirely family friendly, and then it has moments which I think is was endearing about the first one as well, where it's like, oh, like I didn't think a family Christmas movie would do that, and that eye shot is pretty gnarly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do we want to set up a little bit like, uh, the story and what's going on sure. in this, in this movie? Um, which I, again, I think that the setup is, is really, really smart in that, yeah, Ralphie is trying to be this writer. And so he's taken a year off work and that has made it so that the family is not, you know, in the best financial situation. So mm-hmm. it's not putting them in this, oh, well, we're poor. And you know, it's like, no, like there's reasons for this, but we're, we've, we've come together. We can't necessarily, we don't have the means for the best Christmas. Mm-hmm. I think they do a good job, too, of filling in everything we missed as to how it's been with the family and the grandparents Mm -hmm. this whole time. And you can tell that the kids, like, really, like, love Love their grandparents and that the grandpa continued to, like, try and have good Christmases all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, um, yeah, so basically they're, like, getting prepped, ready for Christmas. You know, normally grandma and grandpa come to Chicago. Yeah. It's another Chicago holiday movie. That's right. Which I feel like every mo- holiday movie is set in Chicago <laughs> or, or the Midwest <laughs> or something. Um, and uh, and yeah, suddenly the phone rings and we find out that uh, the, the old man has passed away. It's beautifully shot, too. It's a great sequence. Yeah, it's very understated. Yeah. You know, he's not like breaking into tears right yeah. there on the phone. He's just kind of like, you get what's happening and every you know, and like, you know, the mom is like shushing the kids and everything. And mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it was really well done. Mm-hmm. It, we should also mention that Melinda Dillon, though she's still alive, who played Ralphie's mom in the original, she retired from acting in 2007. So she has been replaced by Julie Haggerty of mm-hmm. Airplane fame mm-hmm. in this, who is such a good replacement, like she's really amazing. captures the spirit of that mom yeah. in an excellent way. And then I love that Ralphie's wife is Erin Hayes, mm-hmm. the like 
most iconic housewife of this century. Yeah. yeah. She's so good. Like, uh, you know, every, every time that Ralphie's got some plan and yeah. she's just like rolling her eyes, uh, to everything he does. Like, really? You're going to do that? I, I just, she's so great in the movie too. But, um, yeah. So it ends up being that, uh, the whole family has to go back to, uh, Homan, uh, back to Ralphie's old home. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Cleveland and, uh, or on Cleveland street, sorry. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, Indeed. that's where things really kick off. Yeah. I did, I liked to just back on the subject of, uh, Aaron Hayes. What was her name? Sandy in the movie? I think or, so. Yeah. I did like how she kind of like, it wasn't all about Ralphie. Like she had her own things going on and yeah. you saw kind of like the n- nuances of the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law mm-hmm. relationship where, you know, <laughs> they like. They have fun and they get along and they drink together. But every yeah. so often it's like, oh my God, yeah. this bitch. You know, like, it's yeah. like, sure, you can skate. Or yeah, like, yeah, wait, yeah. why are you doing, why are you hiding from the carolers? You guys are idiots. You know, like just, just the various tension that exists when it's like, yes, you're part of my family and we yeah. love you, but you weren't here for all of it. So, yeah. you know. The, the Scrabble sequence is like, yeah. yes. <laughs> Amazing. I don't think oh, bajillion is a word. <laughs> So funny. Um, I too, like this Caroler sequence was also really funny for me. I originally, like as it started out, I was like, this is a little bit over the top, but then it kept going. And, and uh, just that shot of, um, you know, when, when Aaron Hayes' character is like, I I used to Carol growing up. And then Julie Haggerty's like, (laughs) how could you? (laughs) Also, I just love this idea that the mom has been traumatized by caroling since the Chinese restaurant. (laughs) It just never (laughs) after that, it was ruined. That was bad. But yeah, I like how they came up with like these new kind of, universal worldwide things that everyone either gets or gets some version of in their yeah. own family without just rehashing all the old yeah. ones. Like the, the carolers thing was new. They kind of like changed the whole thing with the, the hillbilly neighbor mm-hmm. neighbors around to be a little bit different. Like they had different stuff mm-hmm. like the, this, um, the sled on the ramp or whatever. Yeah. That's like a whole new, uh, yep. ethos, like, you know, thing legend that they created for the town. Yeah. All the stuff about the casseroles, I loved. Yeah, that. oh my god, that was yeah. so that was so Midwest. <laughs> I was like, oh my, oh my god. god, the accuracy <laughs> of that. Yeah. yeah, when they're like naming, like, I don't. What do you think this is? Like ketchup? I think, I think that's a blueberry. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. The, the I one, love. Oh no, the ahead. sled ramp. Yeah, I yes, love me the too. sled ramp thing. Like triple dog dare you has become such an iconic thing. I feel like, and I. I love that they found a way to like bring it back, but then, you know, reverse who's daring who and then make it something totally new. It's not just slicking the pole again. It's, it creates a whole moment and a whole scene. And then the other characters get actively involved in it too, because it is this whole new thing and this story surrounding it. Like, uh, yeah, everything about this was just, you could tell besides the fact that Peter Billingsley came back and also produced it. Like you could tell that everyone had the correct amount of reverence for the original while also still wanting to do their own thing. Yeah. And like, even with the the sled thing in the back, the thing that makes it work is that it's anchored in, you know, he steps over the line. Like he's, he's being an asshole and his friend calls him out on it and it kind of prompts this heightened legendary thing. But like all of those stories in real life, it's, kicked off by somebody you know someone that you love someone that's your friend 
but overstepping a line and being like, okay, I'll call you on that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you deserve it. Yeah. Like, r- r- I, ride I down love, that sled. <laughs> I love that too, because like, I mean, uh, when we first moved to uh, Wisconsin, there was a park, there's a park just up the street. And for a couple of years after we moved there, there was this huge like toboggan ramp, like <laughs> not, not like that where it was like clearly something that wasn't supposed to be written on, but this was like something you're supposed to ride. And, uh, it was one of those things where it was like, eventually it was like too dangerous, <laughs> but I was, I was getting that vibe from this and I thought that was really funny. And then I just love that. I just love that we get this kind of like slapstick adults going crazy. Yeah, and just, just like drunk adults. They're just like <laughs> slamming into cars and getting like the most grievous injuries probably <laughs> yeah. even Schwartz. I was like, his, his bag is probably broken yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least <laughs> it's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I thought that was a really good sequence. I yeah. Agree. Well, yeah, it was, it's that it culminates into like this tribute to adolescence risk taking. And then it just, you know, shows how silly that is in the in adults, but also how wonderfully beautiful it is. Yeah, I think I, I think that's one of the big scenes that brings out kind of like like I think Maureen, you mentioned I saw like, in a tweet like that there's lots of joy in this movie. Yeah. And I feel like that seeing adults just goof around and mm-hmm. like have fun times and like the snowball fight stuff and all that. It's just like allowing adults to be goofy, I think is a fun thing yep. to see, especially around the holidays and stuff. Well, yeah. I think it was so organic too, because you know, they did bring back most of this cast who were kids when they made the first movie. And Peter told me that they've all kept in touch and they um you know, see each other here and there, but they hadn't all been together in the same place since they shot the original. And so I, I think that sense of play and that sort of giddiness at being back together comes out in scenes like that. Um, and that's something that you can only get when you, you have that sort of history to not just the storytelling, but to the cast itself. Yeah. I really thought it was just so cute. I felt like I was like, it's so cute to see these guys together yeah. as adults. And like when they first see Ralphie at the bar, they're just like, Ralphie, and they all hug. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, this is so cute. And watching him lose his shuffleboard. Got his younger brother back. Yeah. Like, he's only in a few scenes. I love that it's the same actor. Yeah. So okay. Fun. I really, the phone call with the brother, though, like, I really <laughs> identified with that. Yeah. And was no, like, when he's, like, he's like, mom is like starving to death. She's so weak. She can't say two words. Like, I, I mean, you know, he's, my brother's not listening, but yeah, like, I, you know, you got to exaggerate to get them to show yeah. up sometimes. Like, and that. I was like, I was like, Ralphie, yes, do it. Perfect. Like he didn't say, you know, okay, she's dead. She's in the hospital. Yeah. He didn't like straight up, you know, like do anything alarming, yeah. but just the, the I, amount. But I, like, I also love that it was like him, like unfurled, like he had to like crick his yeah, neck and be like, like, oh, wind up, like, yeah, he's like, he's like, oh, I'm ready. Like I know what yeah. you're doing here. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, uh, Justin and I are older siblings and, and Tyler's a baby. And I know oh. you're an older sibling too, Maureen. So I'm sure that you've uh, laid it on mm-hmm. once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. I, I, uh, I don't know. I think ultimately, though, like it, that fun is great. But what makes the movie so good, which strangely it shares with Mamma Mia 3, is this sort of melancholy undertone where it is also about grief and sort of the through line of the story is about that they all experiencing their first Christmas without the old man and 
the complicated emotions that that brings. And that is as universal as being a kid and really wanting something for Christmas that everybody tells you you can't have. Um, and, and so I think that is ultimately the secret to the movie's success is that it thematically finds a way to be a spiritual successor and take something that is a universal kid experience at Christmas and turn it into a universal adult experience at Christmas. So you sort of, as an audience member, can grow with Ralphie. Yeah, and he doesn't want a Red Ryder BB gun. He wants to be a successful writer. And and that and the radiator and the radiator, <laughs> yeah, and, and just to live up to his dad's Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things there, but like the the tension for that is like, oh, yeah, it's not gonna, like, yeah, he's, it's not gonna happen for him, you know. And there's something that that grief and him actually coming to terms with that is is a great propellant for a lot of the stuff in this movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a, like, you know, we already talked about getting a little teary eyed. It's a surprisingly yeah. emotional movie. It really is. And there's like some, yeah. you know, the, the, I mean, we're, we're skipping all around, which I think is fine, but like, I was just, I couldn't stop thinking about how devastating it would be to like open those presents at the end. Like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh my God, this is so <laughs> sad. I can't handle this. Just thinking about uh, it now, like, oh god, if that really happened, that like would be yeah. So I the, couldn't even imagine for, for the listeners who haven't <laughs> seen the movie. They do, there's a great sequence where uh, probably one of my favorite sequences in the movie where they do all the Christmas shopping oh. at the uh, I'm blanking on the store. Gimbals, yeah, at, yes. Higby's, or, Higby's, 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 Higby's. Higby's. Gimbals is from Miracle on Thirty Fourth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the '70s, so the small town department store is still open, uh, and. <laughs> Uh, but it, he, Ralphie, goes and does all the shopping while the his mother and wife get drunk at the bar, which is kind of great. I loved when he came back and the entire bar was like, "Yeah, yeah. you did it! You did it!" <laughs> like they had all they had all heard them talking about, about how he was out there shopping. Uh, I love that sequence. But then all of the gifts that they got get stolen, and they're basically out of money. Uh, and so the twist at the end is that the grandpa, who'd been ostensibly talking to the kids on the phone and, you know, being 11 grandpa, had bought all of the gifts. Mm-hmm. And they were just down in the basement or in the attic. Already wrapped in everything. Or yeah. maybe not wrapped, but yeah. yeah. That was like so cute. Yeah. I mean, I assumed that actually that Randy was going to bring all the gifts. That's what I thought, too. I, I was like, it's, it's uh, you know, Chekhov's Randy is yeah. just waiting to show up and, and have all the gifts, like, in a Home Alone 2 kind of thing, you know, like, oh, my God, all the Chekhov's gifts are here. <laughs> um, but, no, I mean, that the thing with the, with the old man is, like, just oh, so cute. I yeah. mean, yeah. I just have this whole vision of Chekhov's Randy being, like, a Chili's, but, like, they do Moscow Mules or something. <laughs> <laughs> I... Yeah, I, that part definitely made me cry, too, because um, going back to Paul Newman uh, doing my season, I learned that when he was dying of cancer, he knew he was not going to like make it through the fall. And he didn't want Joanne Woodward to not have anything to open on Christmas. So he like bought her a gift, wrapped it up, and then went into the attic and put it in her stocking so that on Christmas morning she would still have a oh present from God. him. <laughs> and I just like, guys, that is true love. Yeah, oh my God. That's so sad. Oh, it's devastating. <laughs> <sighs> Man. Yeah. What uh what else did you what else did we love in this? Um I love when he belted his kid in the eye with a snowball. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was shocking. I, yeah. I was like 
I was because because that you know scene like everyone's having fun. I'm so into it. Plays it. out so organically. Yeah, it's and the daughter like, is like, "Get him, Dad!" <laughs> like like all of a sudden pops up, and you don't really know what's going on until after he's already thrown the snowball, and yeah. you're like, "Oh no!" And she hits the ground, point blank snowball to the face. Yeah, that was rough. I I love um, Scott Farkas and his return because I feel like no matter which side of the political spectrum you're on, Scott Farkas growing up to be a cop is so on brand. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's absolutely right. And he's like, I'm one of the good guys now. And I was like, are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did love that detail, though. Yeah. I, I and, and, and like, if I'm not mistaken, it looks like they made like adult Zach Ward like get in the costume <laughs> yeah. when he was a kid. Like yeah. no one else had to get in their old costume, but I'm like, he looks the same. He looked. I know. The same. I was waiting for like Flicker Shorts's hats to make an appearance when they went out sledding, but no. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm not wearing the hat. I did enjoy when they had to go to the hospital, like. Going to the emergency room with your family is like one of those life experiences where it's like I'm seeing stuff that I'm not supposed to see, yeah. and they the proxy that they chose for that is that guy who just had his hands stuck in the stein and like he was really troubled. But like the props to that actor because like he was definitely making it seem like wow you're in pain right now. It was it was honestly giving me a lot of anxiety watching that because they kept cutting to him and he's yeah. like <laughs> it was very Coen Brothers. <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was so odd. Uh, yeah, that's something I'll think about for a while. I'm like, how did he get the... Why was his hand in there? What was he trying to grab? I don't get it. So, uh, about the locations, we, we were following the news on this for a long time, obviously. And um, when it came out and they announced the title, we were like, oh, I don't know about this. Like, it might be bad. And then they came out and announced... The whole thing's going to be shot in Bulgaria. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, you know, but I mean, I think it looks pretty good. It looks like, great. Bulgaria is super hot right now for production. Yeah. So I, you know. They re, they built that entire street like yeah. from the original sketches and drawings. And that was why they shot in Bulgaria because they could uh, afford to do that there yeah. where they couldn't have here. Sure. Um, yeah. And Peter was telling me how. Um, like the first day when they actually finished the street and they had like finished putting the snow everywhere and all of that stuff that all the other cast who were returning cast were already in town, but they were at the hotel and he called them and he, he was like, you have to get down Aww. here. And so they like all came down in like a carpool van <laughs> And get out, and it's like fake snowing, and it's the old street from the first movie, and oh. they were all like, "Oh my god, it's so magical, it's real." So, yeah, I think they did a good job. That's super cute. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I feel like you know that was one of the things going into the movie too that I was worried like that it was going to feel like you know a lot of these movies that come straight onto streaming have this like. Like a Christmas, not, a Christmas story two didn't come straight to streaming, but it was definitely like a straight to DVD like yeah. production. And this one felt like they really gave it like a full, like I don't know, it probably wasn't full full, but like a, a real like theatrical style budget to like mm -hmm. make everything look great. They didn't have like they use like real Christmas songs that people recognize. They didn't like cheap a out bunch, a stuff. bunch of them. Yeah, and it's just like it, I felt like it was really well done. Like they did it right. Well, which and is it, what I was really worried. And it about. wouldn't have felt like you know just cinematic language it wouldn't have felt like the original if it wasn't shot on set like that if it yeah. wasn't built that way if they were 
you know, they could have gone to somewhere in Indiana and shot on location, but it wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been able to do the same setups. It would have been different limitations. And I think that that's one of those rare instances where it really plays into the nostalgia of it to shoot it in that same way. And it, it also, yeah, because I mean the the musical shot on the Warner Brothers lot, yeah. in, in Stars Hollow, like, yeah, <laughs> very easily just been like, all right, well that's there, we'll just use it. Yeah, we'll it. just use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think even the first time they showed the street, I was like, oh, which back lot is this? And then I was like, oh wait, I remember they like built it in Bulgaria, yeah. but you know, because usually you can be like, oh, is it Universal? You know, is that? Like, <laughs> People who watch a lot of sequels uh, know what the <laughs> yeah. Universal Batman looks, looks like. like. <laughs> Looking at you, Beethoven 5. Um, bring it on. Bring it on. Four. It on four. <laughs> yeah, uh, they put that street to good use uh, with uh, another bullying sequence. Indeed. Um, that was great. That's, that, that plays out in a satisfying fashion. Yeah, where Ralphie's kids attempt to kill the other kids. Yeah, and, all the, and, all, and all the adults laugh. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I feel like that's real dangerous what they just did. But hey, it's the 70s, you it's know, whatever. <laughs> the damage was more to the vehicle than anything right. else. I love that they have that bumpus kid and he comes out and he's like, Snowmen don't last long around here. <laughs> There's a couple like his introduction too is like super gross. There's a couple yeah. like really gross moments in this movie, I think. But like him like, you know, pulling in some snot like he's gonna spit and then he swallows it. It was so it, gross. <laughs> like the bumpus kid. It's funny that I didn't write this down because I was like, we're not gonna have time to talk about it. But that kid actor, what I did glean from his thing is that he is like, even though he's playing this hillbilly kid, he's like fully bilingual in English and Spanish like <laughs> and could like speak to you fluently. <laughs> he's nothing like that. Yeah. yeah. So. He's in Juilliard right now. <laughs> that was that was another great callback though where it was like the bumpus and their dog connection is still a part of the story but just not mm-hmm. in the way you think it's going. Yeah. To be. Right. Yeah. They could still have the house there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we have to talk about this TMZ house thing. Oh, Did yes. you see this today, Maureen? No. Okay, talk so, about it, Justin. So just yesterday, like, I just was, you know, I, I had forgotten the thing about Bulgaria. So when I was watching the movie, I was, like, assuming that maybe they shot at that, like, you know, house, that replica house that exists um, that this dude owns. Um, but it wasn't shot there. So but when I looked up, like, when I just Googled A Christmas Story Christmas, even to just find the Wikipedia page, like, one of the top news articles that came up was this thing on TMZ. Uh, and the headline is... A Christmas story house. Owner flips out on actor outside home. Get the fuck out. <laughs> and so uh, there's actually a video, like someone grabbed a video of this happening. But yeah. uh, a Christmas story actor, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Yano. Yano uh, Anaya, Anaya. I would yeah, guess. Is no longer welcome at the iconic home of the movie. So basically he was like, I don't know. It looks in the video. You see him. He, he plays Grover Dill in the in the original film, and he's in this one for two seconds. He doesn't even get to talk. He's yeah. just standing next to Scott Vargas. So he's like taking photos on the steps of the house, and then the owner Brian Jones comes up, and he's just like, "Get the fuck out! You're not allowed to be here. Get the hell out!" And like, um, apparently, yeah, what- Grover, <laughs> <laughs> and he like pretty much like in front of these like tourists and stuff, like shouts him out, um, and. Uh, Apparently they're, I don't, I don't know the full details, but apparently they're, you know, the house is on sale right now. So you can, you can like buy the house. And apparently there is some GoFundMe that was put up uh, to like raise funds to buy this house. And I think that the owner of the house thinks that this like actor guy is involved in that and like trying to solicit money 
from random people <laughs> in order for him and some other people to buy the house from this dude. And so they got in this altercation, and you should watch it. It's on TMZ. Like It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, <laughs> but it was like just today that the news yeah. came out. So yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect timing. But why would he care? I think because he's the he's, house is a business for him. He's operating like a museum. Wild. But and he's trying to sell it. Yeah. yeah, but he's he's in the video. You see him yelling that he's like scamming people. Yeah, he didn't want uh, he doesn't want the fans donating to something they think is legit. But it's just for that guy to pocket the money. I, I think see. that's what. Yeah, yeah, that's what it sounds like. So. But I don't you know, I don't know. The, that's just what mm-hmm. it says on TMZ. Mm-hmm. Who knows? <laughs> the, the video is very dramatic, though. You should watch it. <laughs> you want to see someone be like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty funny. I I do want to, because I got to talk to Peter a little bit, I do want to give him a lot of credit for how good this is. Because the man, I mean, since he was a kid actor, but then he's primarily a producer now. He and Vince Vaughn have a uh, production company and they produce together. Vince Vaughn is a producer of this movie. Um, and he, ha- this is, He's produced five Christmas movies now. He was an executive producer of Elf. He produced Four Christmases, which is, you know, not as good. And then, God, I'm missing one. But then he has this and he has another one coming out this year on AMC Plus with Justin Long, um, which I currently cannot remember the name of. Um, So, yeah, the man really loves Christmas. He actually is starting a podcast about Christmas movies with the writer of this film, he told me. So, um, yeah, Peter Billingsley knows what makes a good Christmas movie. Con- and an Iron Man. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, and the, the director for this, I don't remember the director's name, but he also directed the Christmas, Christmas Chronicles. Christmas Chronicles for Netflix, which I thought was a pretty decent Christmas yeah. movie, too. It's a whole industry, even on the entertainment side. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a little... Christmas cottage industry. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, I don't know. What else have we missed? The the, the one thing that, you know, uh, the other thing I liked about this movie too is it kind of continues the, you know, we talked about the first film, how it was really like a series of vignettes and, uh, you know, not too much of a through line other than the Red Rider gun. And I mm-hmm. feel like this is the same kind of way. We get a lot of these vignettes. We get the Christmas tree shopping. The one thing that I was like, I don't, is this a thing like the the Midwestern omelet thing where they're like putting an egg in the radiator? Oh yeah, that, I looked over. Not... I looked over to my girlfriend and I was like, she was like, I've never heard. No, of this. my dad told me it was a real thing. Like in okay. the seventies, I, I assumed it was. For yeah, I was people. like, I was gonna say like, I never had an old enough car where maybe you could do something. Sure. Like yeah. So I was like, maybe it was a thing, but I had never. That was the one thing I had never heard of. No, my parents told me that it was real. Apparently, back then, because I was watching it with them uh, on Thanksgiving night and. Like, uh, this is not exactly the same, but when I was little and we had the old Volvo, like, we would drive around with gallons of water to yeah, pour yeah, yeah. in the car, like, when we had to pull over uh, on the freeway or whatever. But, yeah, not an egg. Yeah. I did like that his wife was just like, oh, yep, nope, nope. yeah, here's that. We got the eggs. So <laughs> I just have, like, a dozen eggs sitting in the car, yeah, at all times. And again, funny. another, like, great way to, like, call back to the old man in the furnace, but make it a new thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. And like, you know, we talked a lot in the musical about the uh, reclaiming of the Chinese restaurant and how they work so hard and they got the uh, Philharmonic and they had, um, <laughs> what's his face? Uh, 
Ken Jong, Ken Jong, and oh, and all of that, yeah. And they were like, "We're taking it back," but this one, they're just like, "Forget it. We're just not doing that. Like, we're just not even going to the Chinese restaurant. Forget it." Which I'm like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so they're like, "We're gonna have oh, wow. a wall of casseroles that have to go through by the ex quarterback." Yeah. <laughs> That was the other really gross moment when he's like putting think, that last piece of food in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think Peter Bellingsley produced the musical too. Ah, which we did like. We did generally. Yeah, yeah. Ralphie to the more rescue. than that yeah. sequel. <laughs> which which Peter Bellingsley has not even watched. So. Yeah. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, for I him. wish Smart I had neither. Yeah. Ugh, well, yeah, I mean, this is like, is this like going to be one of the last HBO Max originals like ever or the rest? Like, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. It's also a legendary film that yeah. uh, just got switched over to Sony. This yeah, they just announced that today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I did kind of like Wait, the, what like happened. The... Legendary broke ties with Warner Brothers and is going to go with Sony now. And what got it. Well, you know, maybe the board of directors will get rid of David Zaslav. Well, as we've seen, miracles yeah, can happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious if this movie would have done well in theaters. I don't know. I think it actually would have. Yeah. Uh, I think that a, a lot of people would go. I think that word of mouth, uh, a lot of people are going to start watching it. It was kind of dropped on HBO Max with yeah. not a lot of circumstance. Yeah. I'm interested uh, to see how it plays out because I I mean I think yeah. we all liked it we enjoyed it we think it's a pretty worthy sequel mm-hmm. but I am curious as to like will it become part of people's you know Christmas tradition like will it be you know five years from now is the TBS marathon gonna switch between the two movies you know I it'll be interesting to see this Christmas even mm-hmm. when the marathon's on are they running commercials to like go to HBO Max and watch the other one or are they gonna you know Zazel's they gonna not do? gonna allow that yeah yeah I don't <laughs> No, like, so it'll be interesting to see if it can be seen and liked by enough people yeah. to become part of the tradition. It would be a, it would be a shame if it wasn't because I feel like it was is one of the first worthy entries in the past fifteen years of bringing back some of those legacy Christmas movies and yeah. and making it feel you know like it it worked on me like I cried during this movie like it had all of the holiday emotions it put me in the holiday spirit like it's it's. A very successful Christmas movie. Yeah, I mean, we were, like, going hard on, like, making fun of the title. Yeah. In in every episode leading up to this. And I was fully prepared to, like, come on here and be like, this movie was terrible. Uh, But it was exact I mean, what were the alternate titles? Well, here's the funniest thing about the title when, like, it's coming forward. And the, the, the through line that we haven't talked about that I think is actually really brilliant in this movie is that, you know, he the whole thing, the whole time he's trying to get word from his editors. Yeah. Uh, if if he if he has a book deal or not, and the one thing that his mom asked him to do is write the obituary, mm-hmm. and he can't do it. Um, and I forgot what my point was <laughs> the title. No, you're just saying this. Oh, the idea. title. Yeah. And so as as he's going through and can't do that, and I go, oh, he's gonna write a Christmas story, and my girlfriend's like, don't spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> That's obviously what he's going to do. But it's nice that it turned out that way because obviously like nice. Gene Shepard made up those stories like, yeah, from his absolutely. real life. So yeah. No, and, and I also loved how it wasn't as ham-fisted as I even thought it would be. Yeah. And that it was just a small local... I love how it played out where his wife read it, thought it was good enough to send to the paper. Yeah. And, you know, he it was something that he was just going to throw away. And then yeah. to get that validation from her and then from the world and how that all kind of plays out organically is, you know, 
Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really, uh, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, it's a really poetic ending how yeah. it like fades into the like uh, narration and, and actual footage yeah. from the original film. Yeah. I don't know. I should have looked this and up. Technically. Oh yeah. Go ahead. He, I was just going to say, like, in a very meta way, that makes it both a sequel and a prequel. Exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. That's me doing the head exploding yeah, yeah, thing yeah. For the, on the audio medium. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I should have looked this up, but I don't know, Maureen, maybe you know. Are any of the anecdotes in this movie, like Gene Shepard unused, like, things from the books or whatever, or are they all original? Yeah, so um, they optioned a bunch of Gene Shepard's writing when they were embarking on making this. And uh, Peter Bellingsley said actually that like quite a fair bit of dialogue is lifted straight from the writing that they optioned. Mm -hmm. So it definitely is still picking up off of that and and taking that, which is probably also, you know, like tonally why it all sounds right mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. they're Smart. using the same source material basically um which yeah i thought that was really interesting because th- i did not expect that when he told me that like i just sort of asked about the so sort of idea of ralphie being gene in a sense and and paying homage to him by making ralphie a aspiring writer and who's like and then he gave me all that extra information i was like wow that's really cool <laughs> sweet <laughs> Uh, we talked about last week, we talked about the first two episodes of the Santa Clauses and I thought it was fascinating that we're watching another Christmas, you know, uh, project that also included like cutaways to the original, like, yeah, original project. But I feel like it was much better deployed in this film than it was in the Santa Claus. I just thought it was fascinating that like within the same week, these two things that use a very similar like editing style and, and something, you know, including the old footage from the original property uh, in the same way. I feel like that there's a, there's a fine line between of like a good chef and, and a home chef. And when it's like salt <laughs> as needed and yeah. you know, and knowing what that means, this movie knows what that means. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, well, and I think that it, it uses that when it wants to have a callback and nothing else made sense. So, like, the pajamas are a great example where, like, I asked Peter, like, was there any discussion of getting you an adult-sized version of those? And he's like, there was. There were some terrible pitches <laughs> in the uh, pre- pre-production meetings. But he was like, but Ralphie hated that. Like, why would he ever wear those again? That was one of the worst <laughs> memories of his life. Like, he hated it so much. It would make absolutely zero sense to put him in that so the only way it made sense was it for it to be something weird that his mom kept in the attic (laughs) and like that kind of thing is so smart where i think the instinct would be like oh yeah let's put ralphie in bunny pajamas again when like from a storytelling perspective it makes absolutely no sense but it's still like just the the very quick way that they referenced it weaves it into all the emotion and tapestry. So it's like at least keys your brain into yeah, like I remember that. Yeah, right. It does a great job with like avoiding the the pitfall of like just copying the yeah. same beats. Mm-hmm. The one thing I I was excited that they included was like the speed, like the, the like fast forward motion when they're all leaving the bar to, oh, go, yeah. to go to the ramp. Like I, I'm, I'm glad they included that because that was like a kind of a cute, cute moment that I didn't feel like I, I wasn't like eye rolling at that point. I was just like, oh, my God, they did that. Yeah, I like that. Part. Yeah. Cool. But 
I don't know, Tyler. So we have we have had a few episodes with no rating system. <laughs> this one, but I think we could, we could do it. Yeah, uh, it was it was Blatz was the 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 beer star. Yes, yes. yes. I think that we're going to go traditional. How many Blatz beer stars? Illuminated. Would you, yeah, illuminated, illuminated Christmas tree <laughs> toppers. Uh, would you give a Christmas story? Christmas. Uh, I'll go first. I I can't remember exactly what I gave the first movie, but I feel like I want to give this like an eight or a seven. I think I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah. Cause like I felt like real emotions watching this movie and that's not anything at all that I was expecting. Uh, like I said earlier, like I was prepared for this to not be good. And so I was like, so pleasantly surprised. They did such a great job. I'm glad that everyone really took the care to do this right. And like really put all of their feelings in. like, it wasn't, it clearly was not just a cash grab for these people. They did it right. The studio gave them the money to do things right. And uh, I hope that people, like like Ela said, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I hope people actually watch it um, because it's surprisingly good, and I would mm-hmm. recommend it to anyone who's a fan of the series. It might actually make you have even more love for the original film and really want to go back and revisit it if you don't already. Um, so, yeah, I think people should check it out. Really good. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I probably gave the first movie a 10 in spite of the Farrah Rob because yeah, I, I think my I family defends it uh, <laughs> because, you know, it hurts, but it's a, the struggle is real with that, uh, with the L's and R's, you know. But uh, so I want to give this one a, a, a nine um, and with room to grow, should it should it clasp on to you know society's right. conscious but because yeah. I, I just can't think of anything that i like really didn't like about it like i think it was just overall good i can't really think of big negatives so um i'm, I'm gonna give it nine blatt's uh christmas stars and also like just kind of say that like i think we were so jaded going into this because we've been burned by like so, <laughs> so many, many sequels but this movie and so is many like, christmas sequels yes yeah. and, but this movie is sort of like why we had this premise of the podcast in the first place because every so often there's just like it, a freaking jewel it, or something it, it, it that can be done yeah something that comes close or is even or even better not in this case but in yeah. other cases even better than the original so it is possible you know looking at you land before time or whoever like you could do it <laughs> you just gotta do it right looking at you cheer or die yeah uh, <laughs> anyways so. shots fired it's the Godfather Part Two of Christmas. Yeah. Movie. yeah. <laughs> so I, I am, yeah, I'm gonna go ten uh, blot stars because I think I believe I was pretty harsh on the first one. It was not part of my family's tradition, oh, right. and uh, I think this is one of the best sequels we've ever watched. Damn. Uh, as we've we've gone through this, because I think it's the mo- one of the most modern sequels we've yeah. ever watched, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that it put in a lot of care and a lot of effort and demonstrate a lot of understanding of why people love the first one. And to be able to replicate that um, is just a pure execution of craft. And it's a lot of credit to Peter Billingsley and everyone that, that carried that emotion forward and also capturing that with everybody. Like I love, I believe it through and through that you can feel the excitement of Peter Billingsley calling them down to set being like, look, like we, we, we rebuilt it. Like it's, it's here and feeling that excitement that transfers through in, in every scene of this movie. And that's a magic trick. Like that's, that is actually a Christmas miracle holiday magic nonsense. And it's, I, I hope everyone watches it. It's, yeah. it's pretty impressive. What about you, Maureen? Um, 
I think I'm going to give it eight and a half. Um, because I also really liked it. Um, I, yeah, I agree with everything all of you have said. Um, I honestly probably would rate it higher if it was a theatrical release. I don't know. There's something about like it only being on streaming that takes away a little bit of the magic for me, sadly, which is not the film's fault. Um, but yeah, I just, I thought it was so lovely in the way that, yeah, absolutely. But I, I think, um, I did grow up with a Christmas story. It was like a classic that we always watched every year. And my dad like thinks the leg lamp is hilarious and <laughs> all of that kind of thing. And so I, it happens so rarely, but I loved the sense watching it that like this story had grown with me. And so like the things that I took from a Christmas story as a kid, I was getting, but in a whole new way as an adult from the sequel. Yeah. Did you watch it with your family, Maureen? And not yet, actually, because I had to watch a screener um, for my interviews. And then I was like texting my family while I was watching it where I was like, we have to watch this together. It's so good. It's so much better than I anticipated. And um, we were going to watch it over Thanksgiving holiday. But then um, it too much other stuff going. We went to see Glass Onion during its one week in theaters <laughs> instead. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's, a, it's uh, a- hopefully hopefully in the next few weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's another movie where, like, you have to be in awe that, uh, you know, this many years later, like, these people are still around to make this. It's, like, very special. It's a special thing that, you, yeah. can't, you know, you can't just, like, bring the original people back for yeah. all of these franchises. All well, the and even though very few people saw that Christmas Story 2, there is knowledge that it exists. And I think also, in addition to what Tyler said, this being one of the best sequels that we've watched, it's certainly one of the best course characters we've yeah, ever seen absolutely. as far as a franchise. And, you know, there, I, I can't think of like off the top of my head, but yeah, there, that's very important in a, mm-hmm. in, in an overall series. If you can correct the course and kind of mm-hmm. get things back on track or redeem whatever was lost with whoever did see those middle sequels. Yeah. I mean, like we're going to see if like Indiana Jones can handle it sure. soon, you know, like, so this is like an issue yeah. and a, a frame state of mind that like lots of franchises have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, the newspaper asked for more stories, so <laughs> leaving it open, maybe there could be more. <laughs> I don't know. A Christmas story Halloween. Yeah. That's, still, that's, that's what we want. What we that's what we want, about. we hope. <laughs> Christmas story <laughs> Halloween. That yeah, would we'll be see. hilarious. That would be hilarious. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap up then. I don't think there is, uh, you know, there's not much else to say other than... Merry Christmas, you, you turds! <laughs> I'm kidding. We love our audience. We're, we don't think you guys are turds. It's just a clip from the movie. It's a joke. It's a joke. Um, uh, I just want to say thank you to Maureen for being here. Uh, it's always lovely to have you uh, and all your amazing insights. And, Absolutely. And uh, pre-order yeah. that book. Yes. <laughs> Go read her full interview thank with you Peter guys. Billingsley. Yes. On EW.com. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, this is the last episode of the year, I think, for us. 
That's oh my it. god. That's it. We're into the holiday season a little bit. It's just starting. Mm. Uh, and uh, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back with, uh, you know, we've done a lot of check-ins, but I think we're going to come back next year with a brand-new franchise because we, right. <laughs> we haven't done a brand-new franchise. And, for and what I heard, that 2022 is going to get a sequel. Oh, there's oh, another rumor. Ha- rumor has it. Coming? I mean, maybe, maybe. I know. Your I know. I'm just. I'm gonna. We'll find out. We'll Anything could happen. You didn't say it was a rumor. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, but yeah. We need to know what to do. So email us right. uh, at sequelrights at gmail and find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at sequelrights. And rate and review us wherever you're listening. Five stars goes a long way to help everybody find us. And also do that exact same thing for Marines podcast. Yeah, uh, Hollywoodography. Hollywoodography. I was like Hollywood bibliography is what I was going to say, and I'm glad <laughs> I did that too. Yeah. <laughs> That's too much. Yeah. Hollywoodography. <laughs> That's great. Cool. All right. Cool. Well, Close. Yeah. <laughs> but no cigar. <laughs> all right. Well, we uh, we're going to say goodbye. We'll see everyone. Hope you have a happy holidays. We'll see you all in the new year, allegedly. All right, bye.